0: Do you ever wonder how great leaders in the community make things happen? When they encounter new unexpected challenges like a pandemic, how do they continue to successfully make an impact? Welcome to That Sounds Terrific, the podcast that connects you with these amazing people. Get insights on what they do to meet their goals, find out how you can help them in their mission, and learn their methods so you can be more successful at what you do. Welcome to That Sounds Terrific with host Nick Koziel. Hello,
1: everybody. Everybody and welcome back to another episode of That Sounds Terrific. I am Nick Koziel and I'm your host. And with me today is a very special guest. Um, have you ever wanted to change something at your job or something in your industry? It's not a very easy thing. Um, as most of uh, my listeners know that I've been in higher ed for a number of years, and I can tell you that I've wanted to change it to a thing or two about how things function there and with me today is Dr. Eric Stevens and he's going to talk a little bit more about change in the workplace and change in industry with a movement that he started called Change Higher Education. So Dr. Eric Stevens, thank you for joining me today. Um, Can you give me a little background about yourself and your career?
2: Yeah, absolutely. Um, So I, I, completed my doctorate degree from Clemson University in rhetoric, communication, and information design um, in 2018. And from 2018 until um, 2020, this past spring, I was was working in the university in a combination of the developmental writing program, as well as the academic coaching program that we were developing. Um, And then COVID hit. And I went unemployed, like a lot of people are, and I think will. Um, And I was kind of left figuring out what to do. And so, um, you know, rather than trying to establish myself and my own professional identity on LinkedIn, I decided to kind of start initiative and and a movement. It started out with hashtag higher higher ed, and then it grew to envelop hashtag change higher ed as well. And so it's just been me um, asking people to connect with me, like, I, like I've done with you, Nick, like you're coming up on a, on a panel here um, in a little bit and um, just kind of building that out and providing a community for people who were leaving higher education that didn't really want to be leaving higher education. Um, and from there, um, I mean, it, it, it worked. I, I got a job. I am now a junior business data analyst Something that I didn't think I'd ever be doing. Um, I'm at an ed tech company now. I start next week awesome. and it's really exciting. And it's, I'm, um, yeah, thank you. I'm excited to keep, keep this moment going. Um, Cause my, my belief is that, and this is kind of what I started out with as well is that if someone has a job, one of the, the kindest, most ethical things that you can do, if you have a job, is to engage on the hidden job market by getting active on LinkedIn and, because you just never know when you'll be that connection that someone else needs um, in order to find a job.
1: And, and it's really rewarding to have that connection when you have that person kind of reach out to you and say, Hey, can you help me out here? And when you're able to help, you feel really good about it. So uh, definitely. Yeah. To mm-hmm. that. Um, so, uh, you know, it sounds like you're a little bit like me that you kind of went through higher ed, got your doctorate, kind of stayed in higher ed, but what, what prompted you to kind of start your career in higher education?
2: Um, I always knew that I wanted to well not always but I've always been in like a teaching role like whether I was doing sales um, at one point or like some of the other gigs that I've done I've always approached it kind of like you said like as a, as a service mentality um, And I think that's one of the reasons why I was successful in sales is because I I didn't bombard people with, with annoying questions I let people approach me and, and things like that and then um, I got into, I, I remember I got a job at the writing center in my undergrad and my mentor advisor at the time. Um, you know, she said, you know, maybe you should be teaching people how to teach English rather than teaching English yourself. Um, Cause I was going to be like a high school teacher and that kind of really, it really hit me. And I, and I just, from then on, I knew like, okay, I, I wanted to be a writing teacher. Um, I got really deep into my research and I kind of lost sight of why I got into teaching in the first place. Cause I, I mean, I love working with students. Um, but then after I graduated, um, I kind of had this moment of like, wow, like the reason that I am here is because I want to teach. And it was this really cool, beautiful moment that I, I, I remember getting my first teaching job as a master student at Utah state and thinking, wow, like this is going to be my life for the rest of my life and it was it was so exhilarating to think that I'd be every day standing in front of a classroom teaching writing
1: yeah, it's awesome. It's awesome. Like I, I noticed as my career progressed that I was moving more further and further away from the students. So like the way to re-engage, I did something similar later in my career and started teaching like freshman seminars and things like that. So to keep that connection and, and do internship programs and things mm-hmm. like that. So um, but it is, it's it's rewarding to, to you know to know that you've made an impact on people's lives in, in small or even you know, big ways. Um so i make an assumption um well not an assumption actually i i I know that to start a movement you need to kind of be a leader and um what do you feel is the most important quality of a
2: leader i think it is one who leads by example um like I, i i don't i don't think that i kind of set out to be a leader of a movement to be honest um, but i think that's kind of i mean th- th- that's ended up what happening I and mean, people people have thanked me for leading a conversation um, and so it's been a, it's been a surreal thing to happen uh, so i think one of the things that makes a good leader is is it's it's one, like it's more of a it's not an appointment um like okay like you will now be our leader um it's it's something that is is kind of called I think like like there's just there's a motivation and there's a drive there um, that I think just other that just other people are drawn to. I think that what makes me kind of an effective leader in this scenario is that I am, I'm living people's worst fear. Um, people see their own stories in my story. They're asking themselves, am I gonna have to move? Am I gonna have to live in with move in with my parents? Um, like what's what's my future going to look like Um, and I think that the other thing that kind of really helps me be a leader in this moment is that I'm not really trying to monetize this Uh, there are a lot of programs out there like coaching programs that you know they say will help you find a job because that's my job now is to help you find a job Um, and I think that's great I think that those services are needed but I mean the credibility that I have is that I I now have a job, like not one that I created. It's one that someone gave to me, um, that, you know, that I went out and earned. And so I think that that idea of like leading by an example, um, I think has been really important for this particular movement that we're doing now.
1: Yeah, no, I, I can totally relate. Um, you know, part of what I've kind of tried to do in my wandering, (laughs) being in the same position as you, um, is trying to find out, okay, where can I make an impact? And, you know, I do run into that where I'm coaching people or even this career, um, site that I'm kind of giving support to people in Western New York for, you know, people are asking me, well, what does this cost? And I'm saying, well, it's, it's nothing, it's free. I just want to help people that are in the same position that I'm in. And it's a very admirable thing that, that, you know, you're doing, um, to not like charge and, and then just really, um, be there to help. Um, so I thank you for that. That's, that's awesome and. You started to talk a little bit in in your intro about um, where Change Higher Ed kind of came from and how it became what it was because I assume it didn't just pop out and become Change Higher Ed. It was there's some sort of process there. So where did the idea like really form for you and and how did it come out and then grow into what it is right now?
2: Yeah, I was I was living um, we were living in a temporary place in Washington. Um, we were fortunate to get a, a two month lease. And uh, we knew that we were losing jobs. Uh, my wife was eight and a half months pregnant. We were planning on doing a home birth. Um, and I was applying, I had applied to 100, 150 jobs. Um, I had one unsuccessful interview. Um, I was really depressed. Um, it was hard. Um, we didn't, I mean, nobody, like COVID was still very, very new, we didn't really know how to engage or how to handle things. Um, and I remember it was, I, 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 remember I made the post on LinkedIn. I was, it was May 19th. I said, I'm going to, I need to stop applying to job. Like, this is not working. Um, and that's when I said, I, I'm going to actually invest my time into this platform that is, is not just a job site. Like, it's a, it's a social media site where you can make amazing things happen. Like, I don't think that any of this, what I've done could have happened on a different social media platform um and so i i came up with i would kind of been playing with ideas um and i came up with the hashtag higher higher ed um and it started out with just me trying to reach out to people that i knew uh because i mean academics don't get on linkedin they should but they don't um, they think they are separate from industry when they are an- infused with it um and it wasn't really working. I mean, I had a couple people reaching out and so I was like, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to get together. Um, all right. Everybody in June on June 8th, let's get together and connect with your friends. I even selected, it was national best friends day. I was like, oh, this is going to be great. That's people awesome. are going to go connect with their best friends and people are going to get jobs. And the idea is to, to flood LinkedIn's algorithms with our data which is the only platform that is our, that is there, that uses our data, like to our benefit. I mean, we're Mm -hmm. trying to get jobs. I mean, Facebook is just trying to sell shit. (laughs) Um, And so um, I, I was starting to get that going and everything. And then Black Lives Matter erupted across the country. And I was like, okay, like I, it's, it is not me to try to take any attention away from this. And like, what can I do to kind of Um, embed some of these things that are happening into this into this movement that i want to build and so i delayed it until early august and so it went from this honestly it was like a a one hour desperate plea to connect turned into uh, it was a two-day event we had 50 speakers we had 19 workshops and nine live streamed panels all for free to put it on it cost me less than 200 um and we I raised about twelve and a half thousand dollars worth of coaching services to be auctioned off um, cool. to people um, to kind of like help supplement some of the costs that we were incurring. Um, we had two hundred and eighty registered attendees. I mean, it was it. I I was amazed, honestly. I did not think that it would happen. I had two people, uh, Raksha and Sammy. They were helping me out, and I and I learned later that they were having like this side email conversation going about. Whether or not this was actually going to work or not, um, I was I was devastatingly afraid that I was going to fail in front of the internet. Honestly, um, but but I didn't, and it was it was it was it was like coming off of just the best teaching day ever. Um, it was just it was such a high, like in a very real way, and I knew in that moment that I I would never go back to a university. As an employee, ever. Um, if I engage with universities again, it's because they will be my clients, right. um, and I just real. I was like, I, I can do more to change higher education than inside higher education. I tried it as a student, as a graduate student, as a staff member, and as a faculty member. And just it's it's a slow moving beast that doesn't change. Um, and I recognized something that was happening. I mean, there's always been. There's always been the need, or there, there's always been the technology for change to happen in higher education. Um, it's, the innovation is there. What has not been there is, is the, the exigence, is, is the reason to change. And that's what COVID has given us, is the reason to change. And it's a very sad reason to change. People are losing their jobs. People are going to continue losing their jobs. Higher ed jobs said, that this time last year there's been a 58% reduction in jobs postings, Chronicle of Higher Education said there's been over 337,000 estimated jobs lost in higher education. I mean, it's different now, we have to embrace that. And so rather than watch that change happen, and like people I know who would just rather write about that change in an article in two years, um, I want to facilitate that change. And so now I do weekly discussions Uh, we're having one today this afternoon actually on um on the problems of the academic hiring process it's antiquated it's a gatekeeping system it takes too long and we can't compete with the market um, and we need to be able to compete with the market um and so it's i've been able to find this this avenue to be able to have these conversations that people are so used to having like i mean these are not new conversations they just they always happen behind closed doors Um, And now I'm bringing out just the, I mean, the most amazing people are willing to help me have these conversations. And it's been a lot of fun to be able to navigate them.
1: That's awesome. Awesome. I mean, you know, hearing you talk, there's just so many things that come into your minds, you know, when you know the background of how like higher ed really works at at multiple different schools, it's a little different in each one, but it's also very similar to like businesses too. So like when you're an employee, when you're a faculty member, and you're trying to make a change at your current university or your you know or at your current position, it's very hard to be heard, even if you're a voice that is heard quite often. Um, but the route of a consultant or having someone outside come in and say the same thing, how often have you been in the meeting where you you go wait a second, <laughs> this idea that you just spent you know fifteen grand for from a consultant? I I, I mentioned this too two years ago. Um, so I can totally relate that, you know, there's a couple things that need to happen for change. And, and you know, one of, it, it, one of the things is happening, unfortunately, in, in kind of a bad way with, with COVID and job loss, it's, it's that catalyst for change. Um, but a couple things that, you know, I would like to see change overall in industry and higher ed is, is listening to your employees a little bit more and the experts that you hire to kind of facilitate n- necessary change. Um, but I think that it's awesome what you're doing. And just to to remind my my listeners, this is a pre-recorded podcast. So, um, obviously you probably won't be able to participate in the live event today, but definitely go back to changehighered.org and and check out what uh, Eric was talking about. Um, so, uh, kind of getting into, um, a little bit more about change higher ed and your overall goals. Can you like clarify like your mission and, and what you're trying to accomplish with, with change higher ed? You've talked a little bit about it, but I'd like to go mm-hmm. a little depth.
2: Yeah, um, I think that that's, that's a hard question because um, I think that depth is developing. Because mm-hmm. um, I, I know that, um, like here's the here's the best way that I can describe it kind of mentioned before, like COVID has has brought about like change is happening. Like I'm not requesting that change happen, right? Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it is, it's happening. It's here. It's there. Um, what I'm hoping that we do is that the changes that we make are intentional and they're ones that do not embed all the things that we don't like about higher education. Like if, like, if there's a moment to change something that you don't like, now is that time to do that. Um, I think that we're going to have to rely heavily on people who traditionally't don't, don't advocate as much as they should. I mean, like there's a whole lot, uh, there's an overbloat of administration, administrative roles um, in universities. Um, and a lot of them are concerned rightfully about their own jobs and they're trying to justify their own existence. Um, we're seeing faculty, being asked to do, I don't, I'm kind of jaded when it comes to the faculty side of things. Um, because I mean, I saw people that were teaching a quarter of the amount of classes that I was teaching getting paid three times as much. Um, and they're gonna be asked to pull their weight and they're not gonna be happy about it. Um, and I think that what is, what's, what's frustrating about all of those answers is that so few of them are centered on the, the student and the student experience. Um, I think that we need to refocus. Um, the reason that we are there um, is to serve our students. Mm-hmm. Like like, especially in writing studies, the idea of like a service course is like venom. Like people's like, I don't want to teach a service course. It's like, why not? Like, why don't you want to serve your students? Like the thing that you teach them is, and so I'm a writing professor. The things, the things that we teach our students are directly correlated to their success like why not embrace that Um, and to not embrace that is to put your own interests in front to say well I want to teach a class about comic books instead Um, and that's a problem right and so like to answer your question I think for me I think I want to be able to have the conversations for other people to to be talking about these things I've already had people approach me to say like I'd like to talk about this on a panel can I set one up but me specifically I want to change writing In the university. I think it's antiquated. I don't think that students are learning how to write anymore. Um, And I think that it's a um, writing studies has become its own discipline and nobody's going to disagree with you in writing too. They're like writing as a discipline, like hooray, we've made it. But when you treat writing as a discipline, then you treat it the same way you would as biology as a discipline. Biology has writing, writing has writing in it too, but every every day that you spend teaching that writing is a discipline is a day you're not teaching a student how to write. Right. And the biggest complaint that we have across the board is that students don't know how to write.
1: Yeah. No, I, I remember. There. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Sorry. I remember this I moment
2: as a writing. No, 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 no. I remember. Yeah. Like, I mean, we've been there, like all of us have seen that your listeners have, have, have seen that um, and, and even said it likely. Um, and I, I was saying that too. And I said, wait a minute. Why am I mad that my students don't write? I was like, who's supposed to be teaching them how to write? Like this arrogant asshole, right? And I was like, oh, me. I am. It is my obligation. And that's when I just did that complete turn um, that I was talking about at when I went when I got my new job. Is that like I am a writing teacher and I need to teach writing? And my students need to know what writing is and how to use it. And so big picture wise, I want to be able to facilitate conversations so that people can make those deep changes that they want to. The deep change that I want to make is all about writing programs.
1: Yeah, and writing is very important. I mean, more often than not, I hear, you know, from various colleges, not the ones that I've been at, that the students are coming in with less and less in, in the way of skills for writing. And it's funny because I've also been in meetings where the faculty are sharing ideas on how to improve that, um, you know, like adding introductory writing courses as a mandatory course and things like that. And then, like, well, there's no room in the curriculum for that, but they're still mm-hmm. the first to complain that um, the students aren't writing well. Um, and so,
2: it is an interesting well, I, problem. <laughs> yeah, like here's like here's a story I remember. Uh, before, before I got laid off and I was teaching, I was teaching this class and I had this student come up to me and I was like, Hey man, like you are, like I took him and said, You're not performing well in my class. Like, what is going on? Like, like you're not doing things. And he's like, Oh, well, I already know how to write. And I was like, Okay, I don't think you do. I'm, I'm a writing teacher, I'm reading your stuff. It's, and I was just like blunt with him because he was, you know, kind of like treading that arrogance a little bit. And I was like, You're, I was like, You're, you're not very good at writing. And he said, well, I got, I got my econ paper back. I got a 93% of my econ paper. And I said, your professor was great in content. They weren't grading your sentences. Right. I am. Your sentences are sitting at a low C, not an A. Right. Um, like your content is fantastic, but content is different than how you're saying something. Um, yeah. And so like, and, and, and the idea is like, we don't honestly, I don't think we need another class. I don't think we need another writing class. I think what we need to do is teach that econ professor how to assess writing, which right. I think I could do.
1: And that was also involved in that that meeting I was talking about. And that's another thing that um, I can't say all faculty because I will never say in general, but certain people mm-hmm. were very. Um, no, I don't have time to teach writing. Uh, my, that's mm-hmm. someone else's job, kind of thing. So I think that all mm-hmm. this stuff is important conversation for you know your movement and talking about what's the culture that we want to you know be a change agent for. Um, and how can we all work together to kind of do this for the students? Because you know when you said this is about the students, I thought of that comic strip that, that has come up in many different ways going this, this this job would be great if it weren't for the students you know that message that, it, that people say and you know how
2: sad is that right right
1: But I think of that that pops up every now and then in, in different things that I've seen online social media wise in connection with any kind of education. you know, So, I mean, yeah, you know, the whole, the same answer to that is that if the students weren't here, you wouldn't have a job. Um, Mm -hmm. And that's why you see the professors that are, you know, beloved by the students are the ones that actually engage them and, you know, live passionately for the students, um, which is what this is really kind of, you know, should be all about. And um, so I'm... I'm glad that you're talking and bringing up these things and I probably could make this podcast go forever, you know, and talking to you about <laughs> some of these things so, but let's, let's move on to, to another, uh, another question. Um, so you have talked a lot about the pandemic and how it affected the movement, how it started the movement. Um, can you talk a little bit about some of the challenges you had to come over overcome, you know, as you know a leader of this movement.
2: Pertaining to COVID specifically,
1: uh, well, yeah, or, or you know, any challenges that you might you know have faced, even with COVID aside, you know, what are some? Uh, you know, the follow-up to that mm-hmm. question is going to be mm-hmm. like, what are some of the things that other people that are trying to do similar things in similar in other industries can learn or um, you know do better, maybe, um, knowing yeah, the okay. challenges they'll face.
2: I think honestly, so I. I say this in context, and so this is what was again just kind of as a reminder like this is what was happening right. Um, This so we're getting ready to move to Tulsa in the beginning of November, this will be our fourth move this year. Um, We had a home birth. Um, We my wife and I, we both lost our jobs we moved across the country we stored all of our possessions in Washington state Um, so we're 2500 miles away from all of our stuff we're living with my parents. Um, constant rejection from jobs and the hardest thing about all of it was feeling alone um, was was feeling like I didn't have a community because when I went to somebody and I said I got laid off like this is how horrible you know I mean it was it was a frustrating moment um, and my community either didn't respond or didn't know how to respond and for a long time I was angry about that I was really really angry um that just sent me into even more of a depressive spiral and then I just kind of clicked for me one day I don't even remember when or how or like what the circumstances were but just kind of the switch was that their lives are just as hard right now it's different but i mean they're they have family members who are sick some family members who are dying um while my experience was lack of a better word tragic i guess um i mean it wasn't unique mm-hmm. and so i think that for me like having to overcome that feeling of being alone was really the hardest thing and as as the follow-up to to what you're gonna say, like what can people do i think it's just you have to be able to connect with people, and don't don't try to connect with people for the purpose of finding a job. People will be able to feel that insincerity. Um, like the idea of playing a hopscotch with people's contact lists so you can find a job is 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 not a good feeling to be on the receiving end of that. Um, and so so don't don't offer that, um, and really just. To overcome that depression that honestly, I mean, cause like the idea of leaving academia is the same thing as leaving the church. Like you, you, you're leaving an entire culture that you've just, you grew up with in a lot of ways. Like, I mean, I've been going, I've been preparing myself for higher education for a decade mm-hmm. and now higher education says we, not, we don't want you, even though they've kind of said that a little bit, yeah. but we don't have a place for you. Um, and just understand that that does not mean that there is no place for you anywhere. Um, you can find a new community. You can find new opportunities, but you're going to have to connect with people and you're going to have to kind of check your ego and your pride a little bit, just because you work in higher ed or just because you have a PhD. I mean, it doesn't mean you know everything. Like you have mm-hmm. to be able to go in and speak their language. Um, it's a, a rhetorical act to go in and understand how they speak and you coming in with the expectation that you need to change the way you speak, not try to convince everybody else in the industry that they should be talking like you. Um, that's why people don't want to hire an academic in the first place. And so come to it like just wanting to connect with, um, with a deep sense of, of humility and willingness to learn, which I think is important that idea of like being willing to learn because I mean that's what we do we're we're in education like it is the constant pursuit of knowledge why are we throwing our hands up in the air in disgust when we're asked to learn something new I mean it seems kind of hypocritical
1: it's very elegantly put and you know uh great advice like you know to consider and you know I don't know if my listeners are going through the same kind of emotions that I'm going through when I'm hearing you say those things, because it is like, I can completely relate to what you're talking about, that you go through this, this period of alone. And I think there are still a lot of people that are in that period that don't know how to connect Mm -hmm. with other people, um, you know, in, in this post COVID world. And it's tough because, you know, everyone's sort of learning as they go along with this, um, but you know, you think about people that are a little bit more introverted that um, you know are even more alone right now, and, and not knowing how to be you know in communication with people um, when they're out of their element. So I appreciate that advice. I think that's great. Um, you know, not I think your message is great, not what's happening, obviously. Um, so I think people um, can really learn from. Not going and looking to to get a job from those contacts, but actually having a conversation, a legitimate conversation with them, and talking about what they're going through um, and what how they can make people to help in the in the future. Um, that's that's the, the greatest balancing act I think through all the contacts that I've been having to. Um, so talked a lot about the different things that that um, is going on in your life and with change higher ed. Um, you know, you've, you've had some challenges and things like that, but what are, what are some of the greatest benefits of like working on this project and where have you made like the biggest impact, I think, um, in change Higher I,
2: I say all of this with this fundamental feeling in the background of surprise, um, that I had no idea that it, that it would become what it is. When I first started this, I had about 300 dormant contacts on LinkedIn. Um, and I, this, this past week, I just passed 3000 contacts. Um, and these are, and, and I say that because the, 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 quality of the people that are reaching out to me and contacting me, they're, um, professors, they're deans of students, they're hall directors, like there are like, you go into your small sphere of a university and you see all of the players and you think that one day, like that would be a job that I'd like to have one day, Um, or like that'd be the kind of the situation that I'd like to be in right now. Um, But then you turn around and see that that small university circle is just one of thousands of universities across the, the world. And even like just your one discipline, like, I mean, I, like I said before, I was in writing and then I kind of like stretched it out a little bit to English, stretched it out to the humanities, but now I'm connecting with scientists. I've never like had a genuine conversation with so many scientists. Um, and I think that the thing that I am most proud of in this moment is that I, I built, the community, like, even, I mean, I'm glad that I got a job. I really am. I mean, it's, it's, I'm elated to be able to have that support and that foundation, and the th- the potential that this particular job has for me. But more than that, it's this community that did not exist before, um, and I think that something that I cherish about this particular community over other communities that exist is that I'm very, very intentionally trying to make it inclusive of people who don't just have phds uh so many of the programs that exist right now for people who are leaving higher education show the privilege of having a phd there are dozens dozens of them um and some of them will say well we cater to master's degrees too but none of them say like oh yeah we actually cater to people who are coming out of student affairs it's like you know i mean of those three hundred and thirty-seven thousand people who are losing their jobs, the majority of them are not tenured faculty with PhDs. Um, then why is there such a disproportionate amount of help for those particular people um, after they leave? And so the thing that, like, in this community building that I'm trying to to do is is very intentionally, like, we're in this together. Like, like this is not about like I don't want to exclude someone because of because you don't have that qualification. I mean, honestly, that's one of the roots of why people don't want to hire phds in the first place is because of that <laughs> is that is that separation that they think that exists and it and it doesn't and it shouldn't right um and so i i am very proud of this community and when, when i was interviewing with this particular job they said like what are well, like, what, like we don't want you to leave in a couple of years like what i mean what can we do to help you stay here and I said I want to continue doing higher higher ed and change higher ed. Like it's important to me to have that community. And they said, okay, yeah, like we want to support that. Um, cool. I'm very very fortunate in, th- in that they asked me that question, that they gave me that room, and I'm, I'm grateful for those people. Um, but we need community. Mm-hmm. Like we need community.
1: Yeah, and it, it's a great lead into the next question. I mean, what is what can this community and other people looking to join it do? you know, for your organization, what, what are you looking for them, uh, to help you the most with what's the biggest help they can be?
2: Um, to help other people. Like, I mean, people keep coming up to me now, like, it's, it's interesting before, before I got a job, um, I was talking to people and inviting them to come and join me. Um, and I was growing to the point where people were reaching out to me, but now that I have a job, um, I'm having a lot more people come up and it's like, how did you do it? What did you do? And it's hard for me to say, well, I started an entire initiative, you know? <laughs> um, but my, my other answer is like, I put my head down and I started helping other people. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm a big believer in the ethic of helping the other. Um, and, and that's why I think like, like, come and be a part of the community, not as a, not as a, as a site to sell your own services, mm-hmm. um, but as a way to kind of give back, pay it forward, um, be the be the connection that someone else needs to find their job, um, put other people before you, and 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 I know that's hard. I mean, that's it's it's hard because you're also doing that so that you can find a job. It's just like this weird play that you have to do in your head. But if you just come into it. And the, I just need a job and people should be giving me a job because I'm amazing. And um, you're not really adding to the community. You're just coming with expectations from the community.
1: Yeah. No, that's, again, great advice. And, and, and while you're on that track of giving great advice, what would you tell someone who's trying to start into higher ed during one of the, probably the hardest times to start in higher ed? What would your advice be to that, that person?
2: So who is starting in higher education? would like
1: to, yeah, who'd start or just started in higher education? What's your message to that?
2: Don't, <laughs> honestly, don't. Um, the the market is going to be too big. Too big. The only reason that someone would hire you because, or like in this moment in this time frame is if they could hire you for cheap. Mm -hmm. And you're worth more than that. Because the other competition, I mean, I mean Nick, like how long have you been doing like doing what you've been doing, right? Like you go, like you have someone who is putting up like you have a job. It's like, oh, I can get someone who's been doing this for a decade or -hmm. someone who just graduated. And the person who's been doing this for a decade is willing to work for not that much more than what I'd be paying this this person. Like what people don't understand in higher education is money. They don't understand investments. They don't understand return on investment. I don't, I'm still learning about all these <laughs> things. I I'd recommend you do something different. Like, but that does, and that does not mean go back to school for a different degree. Right. If you have a master's degree in higher education, you can find a job that's not in higher education because the skills that you have transfer, oh, yeah. you just need to be able to translate them. And so right. I, I, I feel like I'm being like kind of a, a pessimist on that, but I mean, if you are hoping to go into higher education, what you're doing is attaching yourself to a dream that no longer exists. It cannot exist. Um, The university I just came from where I got laid off this past summer, they had another round of layoffs in September. And then I just had a friend who said, yeah, they just announced another 52 layoffs but they, they promised there would be no more layoffs until December. You know what that means? Watch out January. Right. We're going to see an incredible amount of layoffs in January and in June. And we're going to see schools closing in June. Mm-hmm. Those jobs aren't there anymore. You're better off focusing on how you can get a job outside of higher education.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it, it's troubling. It definitely is, and 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 I'm you know I'm glad that you can bluntly say hey look look for other things, because um, the other challenge across the industry is something similar. I mean you, I've been in several situations where you go from recruiter to interview, and um, the salary all of a sudden is seven or eight thousand dollars less once you get in front of that supervisor. That you know that the, the uh, recruiter had mentioned to you, so it it they are trying uh, across different lines to try to get as cheap as they can for the talent, uh, which is business anyway. But it's just unprecedented in this time. So, yeah, it's that's that's hard advice to hear, but I think there's uh, you know a good line of truth in what you're saying. Um, so, well,
2: and but like, and here's the hope though. Like honestly, right? Um, here's here's how I got my job. Like I reached out to someone, right? And they connected with me. He ended up being the CEO of a company. Mm -hmm. Um, And he, like the conversation started out with, there's no way I'd hire someone with a PhD. Right. And I said, well, here's why you should. Mm -hmm. Um, Because before COVID, like there was like this, this, there was a prejudice against hiring someone from coming from higher education. And honestly, a rightful prejudice. I mean, a lot of them can, are jerks, right? Um. After COVID though, like what you have, like you you just nail in the head what you said before, we have never seen this many people who are this educated going into the job market at once. And this is an entire group who didn't go into education for money. They've never had a reason to understand how money works. Now is the time to understand that because you have value. It was within... It was within about 10 LinkedIn messages and a 15 minute phone call until this person offered me a job because they saw what I was capable of doing. I, I told them, I was like, you're seeing people like me, people like you, Nick, right. Who are having, who are being compelled to leave higher education who don't want to, we don't want to leave. Right. Um, and that like for another company to come in and be able to tap that passion Um is, is like one of the messages that i'm trying to send to industry like if you're looking right. for good people look no further than student affairs specifically right um because they're going to be amazing people and you don't have to deal with as much of the ego there's still gonna be ego not as much the ego on the faculty side yeah. um and so i think that like while it is hard advice to hear um we can either like deny it or embrace it and at the same time embrace your own value and give yourself an honest conversation you've never actually established what your value is you've always been told what your value is oh 30k thirty five thousand dollars a year for all this education Mm -hmm. people will pay you more a lot more than that
1: awesome advice appreciate that so eric um you know the movement's going on for a couple months now. Um, are there any people or organizations that you'd like to give a shout out to for highlight that have like really have made an impact in this movement?
2: Um, yeah, I think that there's there's a a LinkedIn group on. Um, or, yeah, there's a, a group on LinkedIn called PhD Career Networking Group. Um, it's headed by a guy named Parag Mahanti. Um, what I really, really like about what Prag has done, and what drew me to to his group and the things that they say, is that he's doing it um, in his free time. Like he he's doing it as like something to give back to the community. Like he's not like looking to monetize things. And so I think there's real value in that. Um, there's another one called. This is a little bit more for. Um, The general workforce, I think, rather than higher ed specifically, Um, but there's one um, by, there's an organization on Facebook by Danette Edwards called, um, I believe it's the the Corona Days. Um, Days is spelled D-A-Z-E. And she just has put together just a ton of materials for people who are being impacted by COVID specifically. Um, It's not higher education specific which I think is really, really good, especially for um, the student affairs side of things. Cause anytime you enter in something that is higher ed specific, it always leans towards faculty and that's problematic. Um, but I think that those two, those two things, um, as far as the organizations go, I think would be really, really beneficial to, to go for. And I, I wouldn't, I'd, I think I'd be remiss if I didn't recommend too. There's a book uh, by who's now, he's a friend of mine. His name's Chris Katerine. Um, it's called Leaving Academia. Again, it's a little bit more faculty focused, but it's, it's more of like a workbook about like how, like the steps you can go through to translate your own value. Um, not, I think, succinctly put in those in that way, but like he does it through a lot of storytelling. Um, and so I think that if you're, if you're more of a, a book kind of person, mm-hmm. um, I think that's the the route I would go for that way.
1: Awesome. Great. Appreciate that. Um, you know, movement is young. You still got some things that you're doing. You've got a new job you're starting. You got a family that I think is starting. So like a lot of things going on and changing. Um, And it's nice to hear that your new organization wants you to kind of continue in what you're doing. Where do you see that going? Um, Where do you see yourself in five years?
2: (laughs) Stumped you. No, I was actually, I was talking about this with my wife earlier um before covid i didn't know where i was going to be in five years but i knew what i was going to be doing because it was going to be the same thing no matter where i went i mean going from university to university isn't really there's not a whole lot of difference i mean i've taught as several now um but now i'm not sure where i'm going to be in that five years but the the potential is is so exciting to me that um, I, I think that, I mean, this is my first foray into an industry job like this. Um, I'm going in to learn everything that I can about what it would take to bootstrap my own ed tech company that focuses on big data, uh, not as a way to compete with this current company because it's something that's completely different um but the way that it was it was created i mean the ceo he's bootstrapped the thing himself like he doesn't he didn't take on investors like he he built it right um and that's what that's what i want to do and so i don't know if that's going to take me 5 years of learning or longer um but i am going to make waves in higher education i mean i i i can't not at this point, I think. I don't know what it's going to look like, but um, I think I've found my vehicle for that change. Very nice.
1: And I think you are already making waves. I, I can hear it and, and see it on, um, you know, your site and the other places and the the chatter is there. So, I mean, you're starting this, this movement and it's becoming bigger and bigger. Um, and I, I really do appreciate all that you're doing to bring to light in a very intelligent way, um, you know, people are beginning to understand some things a little bit, bit more, which is part of yeah. all we're talking about here, you know, educating yourself. It's a continuing education throughout your life. And, mm-hmm. and I'm glad that you're embracing that and, and creating opportunities for other people to do so. Um, I do want to give you an opportunity to mention anything else that maybe I haven't asked you or covered that you just wanted to highlight. Is there anything else that I was remiss in asking you?
2: Uh, no, I don't think so. I just, Um, for those of you who are listening, please come to our, our weekly events. We hold them every week. Um, most of the time, um, we have, we have like a raffle for those, um, who participate. Like if you ask a question, you get submitted for the raffle to win like a 30 minute, um, consultation with one of the speakers. Most of our, most of our panels, we've been able to do that and, um, yeah, just come and participate and connect on LinkedIn like in the most genuine way, engage and be authentic. And please reach out to me and, and connect. Like I would love, I love meeting people.
1: Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. Definitely reach out to Dr. Eric Stevens on LinkedIn. Uh, you can look him up there. Uh, check out his site at changehighered.org. Um, we will also list all of his social media handles in the show notes. Um, I want to thank you again, Eric, for being on our show. Um, And just remind all our listeners, uh, that sounds terrific. Uh, Follow us on social media and definitely uh, take a look and like our and subscribe to our podcast. So thank you again, Eric. And um, I bid you the best of futures with this new family and the new baby and all the different things that are going on. I'm so happy for you. Um, You know, congratulations on the job and everything. So thank you again.
0: Thank you for joining us in another episode of That Sounds Terrific. Don't forget to check out the show notes and our website at thatsoundsterrific.com to find the contact information and the best ways to volunteer with the organizations that we feature. If you know someone that is doing terrific things and think they should be featured in a future episode, be sure to email us their name, contact info, and short description of what they're doing at thatsoundsterrific at gmail.com. If you like our show, give us a five-star rating and give us some social media love by liking our facebook page that sounds terrific follow us on twitter at sounds terrific too and instagram at sounds terrific we love hearing your feedback on how to make our show sound even more terrific till next time